I'm Kelsey Hojera, holistic dietitian and your host of the Faith Over Food podcast. The show is for the crunchy women who are tired of the conventional food and medical system. We'll be diving into all things holistic nutrition, herbal medicine, balancing gut and hormone health, women in business, and more. God is number one in my life, so be prepared for the messages of inspiration and arm chills to sneak up. Thanks for being here. Hello, welcome to the Faith Over Food podcast, episode number one of New Beginnings. So it has been um, about a year and a half since I have podcasted. In that time, I feel like my life has changed so much. This episode in particular is not going to be about the last year and a half. Um, I do want to explain the shift of faith over food and give some explanation on what that is. But this podcast is my testimony. Um, I feel like the last year and a half needed to happen because it really dug me into a dark place. And in that dark place, I leaned a lot on God and, um, I'm already getting emotional, but he had me kind of relive the experience from when I was younger. And I shared my testimony in a church group and it was very powerful. And, um, I needed that time to be able to have the strength to, um, share my testimony and also understand my testimony. Um, because I didn't really quite understand what had happened. I wasn't mature enough like in spirit. And now I understand more of what was going on back then. So before I get into that, though, because it is alone, vulnerable, and some dark, sad, but also funny times. So um, God put that on my heart to share my testimony about a month ago. And start my new um, Instagram account, the Homestead Dietitian, and you know get this podcast recorded. About a month ago, he was like, "Okay, it's time to do that." And then in this past month, I have been spiritually hit so hard by the enemy. And finally today, it kind of came together that I was getting hit so hard because I really needed to share my testimony, and I just haven't. And Ironically, I've just been like dwelling on the past and just like reliving a lot of this stuff for absolutely no reason, just because I need to record this podcast. So faith over food, the reason why and kind of the meaning behind that. So, um, you know, during the last year and a half when I was going, you know, through a challenging time and just very short, I had a concussion, I had COVID, then a concussion, and then that caused a bunch of GI issues. I was kind of sick all year. I'm doing a lot of healing, and um, now I'm much better. And um, Yeah. So where was I? Oh, faith over food. So during that time, I was like, okay, I do want to start the podcast back up. I don't like my old name. I think it was like Kelsey Fit Talks with Kelsey. <laughs> That's, that wasn't it, but something like that. So I needed a new name, and then faith over food podcast came to me and I was like, oh, that's perfect. So essentially what that means is you all know, or if you don't know, I'm a registered dietitian and um, I am now of the belief that living a holistic lifestyle um, leads to being a 100-year-old pasta granny. Um, I really like the pasta grannies on YouTube if you want some wholesome YouTube videos of just, they're actually called nanas. Uh, if I'm pronouncing that one, I'm sorry, but that's Italian for grannies or grandma. 
and they make this pasta and So anyway, um, I'll talk more about that on this podcast episode and, you know, more about holistic living, you know, more about gut health hormones. Um, And I really, truly believe that if we could get back to our roots of eating, um, that we wouldn't be experiencing this rapid increase in disease. And, you know, so many people are getting diagnosed with digestive issues or they have IBS, you know, PCOS is on their eyes, Hashimoto's. It's truly crazy. Like autism as well is another thing that can be linked to like mold. And I'm not going to go into all that right now. I'll have lots of guests on to speak on these various topics over, you know, time. Um, but what was really important in my healing journey was faith. Um, having the faith that God has me in God is protecting me and um, that he's going to get me through this time and everything's going to be okay. And he has plans for me to prosper um, and not harm me. That gets me emotional. And that's how I got through last year. Again, like my testimony is the hardest time of my life. I'll go through that. But last year was the second hardest time of my life. And it really brought back up a lot of those feelings, very similar feelings to what I felt um, during like my junior year in high school. And that's where a lot of my testimony takes place. So I truly wholehearted believe, believe that without faith, healing will not happen. Um, God and Jesus, they are the ultimate physicians. And even outside of that, you know, you do not have to believe in God and Jesus to get something out of those podcasts. And so I will, I do wholeheartedly want, you know, you to love God. Don't get me wrong. Um, But I also want you to understand some of the things I say that have been proven actually by science. So, and I think that if you really dive deep, the more we learn about science, the more it links to God being there and present. And there's a lot of very interesting things that have come out. Maybe I'll try to find some people to come on to talk about that as well. Um, But they have looked at people in a hospital setting that have very similar metrics, very similar diagnosis, prognosis, things like that. And the people that were depressed and hopeless, they had worse outcomes compared to the people that were, had hope, um, were, you know, optimistic for the future. And there's a lot of studies on this, that having optimism and being positive and thinking good things are going to happen, you know, take you to a better place. So that's where faith over food comes from. I truly believe that without faith, very little is going to happen positive in that direction. I, and I know that sounds really harsh, but, um, it's very true. If not, we play victim and we feel like, you know, we have no responsibility in the things that have happened to us. And that's what I think is really, I just had this moment right before I started recording this, where I was just crying. And I had this moment of like feeling a lot of regret for the mistakes I've made in my past. And here's the thing, like we have free will, we make mistakes and mistakes have consequences. And that sucks. I mean, it it sucks a lot. So I was the moment I had, I thought about that, and then I like had this rapid vision moment of just like my testimony. And then I was like, wow, the beauty really starts with God. Like I'm about to tell you more of my testimony, and it's gonna get dark for a minute. 
and I'm already like emotional and I'm crying, but, um, God has just been so good. Um, and I don't want to know where I would be right now if it wasn't for him. Um, so my testimony, I'm going to start off from when I was a kid, just little bits and pieces that are important. Um, I technically grew up Catholic, but, and I'm under case on the butt, um, I wouldn't say my family, like, we weren't, like, practicing Catholics. Um, just to give, like, a really good example, and my parents are going to kill me if they hear me say this, uh, but my mom would always say that it's better to test drive the car before you buy it. And she was talking about sex. So I don't believe that now as a Christian, all right? So, but my mom would say those sorts of things to us when we were younger. Um, so wouldn't say my family is practicing Catholics. Um, yeah, so, but if you know people that grew up Catholic, like I went through the whole shebang where like I had to go to Monday classes. Um, I had to do community service, which I lied about, but it's so terrible. Um, sorry, God. But I would say that babysitting my little sister, I think that's what I was saying, was community service, and they took it, so it worked. <laughs> and then you you get confirmed, and then you're able to get married in a Catholic church. So my parents got married in a Catholic church, and they really wanted us to be able to get married in a Catholic church if we decided we want, wanted to, because my Omi, she was like a diehard Catholic. Um, they lived over in Germany when they got married and my Opie was a Lutheran and she was like, I'll only marry you if you convert over to Catholicism. And he did. So it was really important to her that um, little Nikki, which would be my dad, that, you know, um, he be raised, Catholic and that I'm sure it was important for my dad that that be passed down too. So, and for those that don't know much about the Catholic church, they have some really weird doctrine and people that are Christians, um, it's, it's, they have some things that aren't biblically supported. Like you're not supposed to talk to God yourself. You're supposed to go to the priest or the Pope I guess not the Pope. You wouldn't go to the Pope. That would be pretty cool, though. You're like, hey, Pope, whatever his name is right now. I forgot that. That's bad. But hey, Pope, will you, you know, hey, will you talk to God to me? But yeah, they thought that, or Catholics think that you need to talk, go to the priest instead of going directly to God yourself. You're also not supposed to read the Bible, which that's completely against what God's word says. God wants you in the Bible. He wants you knowing his word because that's how you fight off the enemy. So I'm going to say on that right now. So um, I'm being really honest right now. Um, recording this was really challenging for me and is very challenging for me. And I'm drinking a gumball head right now. And not that there's, I don't, I have a weird relationship with alcohol too, that I'm sure I'll share more of on this podcast, but, um, just having a beer and I'm going to take a sip of it right now. <sighs> gumball head is delicious. Okay. So yeah, I grew up Catholic um, I played a lot of sports growing up. I was always a very sweet kid. Um, like I still am like very like sweet and kind hearted. That's always been like a big quality of mine. Um, always very outgoing, just like a big heart. Like <laughs> I'm like getting, I am a very emotional person, which, you know, 
Yeah. I've read something that emotionally intelligent people and narcissists are like the worst combination. So when I was in like fifth grade and I'm just gonna, I don't know what of my testimony is relevant. What's not when I was in fifth grade, I got declared popular. So there was apparently this weird system of how like girls become popular and the girls in fifth grade that were cool declared me and my friends popular. So we were, we were officially popular. And then about like seventh grade, I decided I didn't want to be mean anymore. Like I was kind of mean. I never bullied people. Like, and that was always something that if my friends were being mean to someone, I was always like, yo, stop, like not cool. But I was just kind of like even mean to my own friends I don't want to explain. I just was not very nice. And then then I vowed like, okay, I don't want to be that type of person. Like I'm nice. I like being nice to people. Um, And then I was still pretty innocent. The sad thing is a ton of rumors went around about me when I was in middle school. Um, I didn't like lose my innocence completely until I'd say ninth grade. I lost a lot of my innocence though in elementary or in middle school. not going to lie. Like, Oh, having older sisters. And like, I feel like I was part of that generation that we just like, we were, we were bad. We were bad. Um, and like YouTube was starting to get really popular, you know, people are on MySpace. Like, I just think it was really bad. Um, but I was still very innocent. Like I'd never until high school, I'd never drank alcohol. I'd never smoked weed. Um, I'd never seen a man's private part at that point in time. But like so many rumors went around. Apparently, like I got mono at one point and I was out of school for um, two weeks and I came back and people were saying I had an abortion, just like stuff like that. So anyway, by the time I came into high school, um, I just really fell into the wrong crowd. Um, like I was started like binge drinking every weekend. I started smoking. I don't know when I really started smoking weed, but at that point I was smoking um, black and mild. <laughs> Yeah, we uh we were smoking black and milds. It's so disgusting to think about now, but so funny. <laughs> I hope some of my old friends are listening to this and they're like, yeah, when we were smoking black and milds, like, ugh. So anyway, um, yeah, I started off so early though. Like, if I think back to that, and God bless my parents. I think about this a lot now because I'm at the point where, you know. I want to have, I want to be pregnant in like the next like year and a half. God bless my parents. Like I really put them through hell. Like I was a terrible teenager and I hope that I, my kids don't put me through anything like that. I doubt they would. I mean, I'm sure my parents didn't think that either. So I got really got settled in the wrong crowd. Um, yeah, just drinking a lot and like partying a lot, stuff like that. (sighs) I'm getting to the point where it gets really dark and the part that like, (sighs) like, I don't know. I just, it's really hard. If there's anyone out there that shared vulnerable things in their life, it is really hard to do. And to be honest, like there's a huge part of me that doesn't want to share any of this, but like I, like, God wants me to share it. So I know that this is going to help someone and to whoever you are. um, I'm sending prayers your way. 
So, okay. So then come my junior year, I had actually gotten into a ton of trouble. So I got my first drinking ticket. Um, I think it was like January of my sophomore year. So I ended up being grounded the whole month of my birthday, which sucked. And then (laughs) that summer, I got another drinking ticket. So I was in pretty big trouble. Um, I had to start going to like court mandated classes. Um, And I think I got drug tested once. So obviously I'm not like smoking during that time period. And I had to go to a couple AA meetings. Okay. And I am at this point in my junior year of high school. So the summer before that had happened, or no, I technically got my drinking ticket, but I haven't started the classes yet and started this whole process. I was sitting on the beach with some friends and I looked out at the suns. We're watching the sunset. It was a really beautiful moment. And I was like, do you ever feel like God's not happy with you? And that hit me so hard. And as I was started going through these alcohol, these like, they're not necessarily completely alcohol classes. They're like alcohol drug classes for, for minors. As I was going through those and I was going through these AA meetings, I got really, really, really hit by God's present at that time. Like, um, it's, if you know that feeling of like when God's on you, um, it's, it's something that you know when it's happening. And I don't think at that time in, in my life, I could really be like, I, I could have said that. I knew that there were a lot of moments that now looking back, I'm like, wow. Um, just to give you an example of one, me and my parents were fighting so much. And um, I was driving home, I think, from one of those classes. And I prayed. And I was like, God, like, like please help. Like, my relationship with my parents is so bad right now. And like, we're just fighting constantly. And, you know, I didn't really know how to pray, right? Like I wasn't taught that really as a Catholic, you say the, our father or this many hail, hail Mary full of grace, Lord be with you. You have to say that many, right? So like, this is one of my first experiences of just like telling God what was up. Like, God, these are my problems. Like help me. Um, And I came home and literally my parents were in the kitchen and they apologized and they're like, we're so sorry. We've been so hard on you. Like, we love you. Um, There was another period like in the AA meetings that like, I don't know why, but I shared my like drinking testimony of like when I started and like kind of why I drank and stuff like that. And that was also really profound. So God was kind of like trying to heal a lot of the struggles that I had had at that point in my life. Yeah, I had a lot of like moments with God. And then I had a friend tell me about the Illuminati. So before I dive into this, if you are going to research things, you have to be very, very protective of your spiritual energy. And I highly encourage, like if you're going to look up like the Illuminati, you're going to look up dark stuff. You really should pray beforehand, ask God to protect you. 
um, because the Illuminati is demonic. Um, and that in of itself is a huge part of my testimony. So I started Googling stuff about the Illuminati and was like very fascinated and like got into this rabbit hole with looking up stuff about the Illuminati. Oh, that was so weird. As I literally said that, like a really loud, like, like went by. And by that, that was a truck going down the road. It was really loud. So, um, yeah, I was looking up a bunch of dark stuff there. And then I finally got done with all my drug and alcohol classes. And so me and my friends smoked a lot that night. And I've learned later that THC poisoning can cause like manic episodes. So that sparked me going into a manic episode. Like I barely slept that night and then I was kind of out of my mind. Um, during this period of time too, like both of my sisters like left. So I have two older sisters and a younger sister who's a lot younger. And Kayla left for the Navy. Katie left for college. I was also under some other like relational stress and, um, then obviously this whole like spiritual experience of going to these drug and alcohol classes. So just like a lot of stress. And I probably had THC poisoning to be honest, but it, it caused me to go into a manic state. And I still don't fully understand the whole mania. I'm not going to go over much of this point, but I have been off of medication for a long time. Um, actually we're going to skip that. I'll probably talk about it later. So, um, yeah. So I get sparked into this manic episode and um, I do some dumb stuff. So if you don't know anything about mania, some of the, I'm just going to Google it's characteristics of manic episode. Increased talkiveness, rapid speech, a decreased need for sleep, ra- racing thoughts, distractibility, increase in goal directed activity. Um, you can also have, um, I can't remember what it's called. I'm trying to see if they'll put it up, but you're basically get really cocky, the exaggerated sense of well-being and self. There's another, um, word for that, but like basically thinking you're like hot shit. <laughs> um, also delusion, delusions and hallucinations. So I had like, my first one wasn't like as bad, but I went through another manic episode, like I think two or three weeks later, that was really bad. And like I said, at the beginning, like I've going through the spiritual experience, my first manic episode, I was still like very connected with God. Um, and then as like, my second one came up, it got really, really, really dark. Um, it got really dark. So I like literally at one point in time, like I was praying to Satan and like basically asking him, like, if you make me famous, like I will do anything. Like I will do anything you tell me. And the thing he told me, to do, it's just like so. It's it's funny in hindsight now, and I'll get to the funny part. Um, it's really not funny though. Like none of it is funny. Okay, there's like dark, dark, demonic stuff happening. 
Um, the thing he told me to do was to show up at my ex-boyfriend's house in lingerie randomly in the middle of the night. And that's what I did. Um, and so the funny thing, I'm not going to go through all of it, but this guy's dad is a cop. So obviously the cops are called the cops are there. And (laughs) if you ever think you're going to get arrested, I hope you never think you're going to get arrested, but don't be wearing lingerie because guess what they do? They put your arms behind your back, you know? So talk about being humiliated. Like I'm fucking out of my mind. I'm sorry for cussing you guys. Um, That is one thing that as a Christian, I have not um, worked on my cussing very much. Um, yet. So I'm sure in 10 years, I won't cuss so much, but right now it's still just a lot of habit. So yeah, if you're ever going to get arrested, don't be wearing lingerie. So I get put in the back of a cop car. Um, I go to JJC and everybody thought that I was on drugs. So when I was in that cell, like I remember feeling like I was withdrawing, like I was shaking, I was cold, like, and that's, actually pretty common of demons, um, like having those sort of experiences. So, um, as I'm in JJC, um, all of a sudden I finally like am in my right mind and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like how did I get here? Like what happened? Like I would never put myself in this sort of situation. And just to give you like, I didn't talk much about when I was younger, but I played sports. I'm pretty smart. I always had good grades. Um, Yeah, I was like kind of boy crazy, but like that was really like the worst thing was that. Other than that, I was like a pretty good kid. Um, And well, the binge drinking was obviously bad, right? That was bad. So I guess I wasn't a great kid. I fast forward to earlier when I said I felt bad about my parents. Not a good kid. Okay, but for the most part, I would not have gotten myself in JJC, okay? Unless it was like, I guess I got another drinking ticket or something like that. Uh, Okay, this is the part where I guess it's not all terrible. Like, I'm glad I can laugh at myself now and realize how ridiculous I was for many years. Okay, Um, so yeah, I'm like, what the heck's going on? I'm in JJC. And so I keep ringing the button. If you've, you've probably seen enough shows, I don't know that they don't have this in jail, right? You know, you see like Shawshank Redemption. They're like yelling out the bars. It's not like that. You can like buzz. So I was buzzing. I was like, someone get me a psychiatrist. I'm like, I need to talk to a psychiatrist. So I talked to a psychiatrist and she's like, yeah, girl, you're messed up. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> she said that I sound like I have bipolar one and that they're going to send me to Epworth. So that was the children's uh, mental hospital. So that I was going to be sent off the next day. So that night I'm laying in my cell and all of a sudden half of my body goes numb and I can't move. And then all of a sudden I see the image of a demon and then I like am able to move again. And after that point in time, I have not went through a single manic episode. I've had no problems with that at all. And I have been off of medication for five years now, I think six years now. 
So I didn't know at the time. I had no idea what that was. God revealed it to me about a year and a half ago, right before I shared my testimony with my church, that that was him. Like he literally cast out the demon that was there. And like, I cannot put into words like how grateful I am for that. Um, Like you can probably hear the emotion in my voice. Like, wow. And for years, I thought that I had saw a demon and I now realize that like I saw the one that was leaving me, which is very, very awesome. So anyway, I go to Upworth and I have to throw this funny story in there because this is like whenever I talk about my story of going through manic episodes, this is the one hilarious story that I think like – I don't know. Like you could put this in a movie and it would be – or a TV show and it would be hilarious. So I have to share this one super funny story. So when I was in Epworth, there were some men that were fond of me at this Epworth um, (laughs) uh, mental hospital for youth. Okay. I guess youth you could call it. So one of these young gentlemen was a – and I hope no one's offended by my description – Please do not be offended, Um, but he was black. I don't know why I even have to say don't be offended when I describe that someone's black. Um, Anyway, so he was black, anorexic, and he was a musician. And so then the contrast, the other gentleman that was interested in me was um, a a black, like 6'5", 250, was in Epworth because he jumped out of a moving cop car, all right? So those are the two descriptions of these men. So I will let you formulate in your heads what you think these two gentlemen looked like, okay? So we have, I'm just going to repeat, anorexic musician. We have 6'5", linebacker, jumped out of a moving cop car. All right. So one of one day, the musician wrote me a song and I think it was more like a rap, but he sang it to me and it was really sweet. And then later that day, the linebacker man that jumped out of a cop car, he tried to kiss me. And I was like, no, like I'm not going to kiss you. But obviously I told the other guy like, oh, that was so sweet. He wrote me a song. Okay. So then that night, this is really sad, but the um, bigger guy went into the little guy's room and beat the crap out of him. Um, The guards had to come and pull him off, and it was bad. This is the part that's funny. So the next day, they have have the big guy um, handcuffed to, like, a bed, all right? And in the middle of us and him, he's, like, behind a nurse's station in a room. Then there's the nurse's station, and we're on the other side in, like, the community area, just sitting down, doing whatever. All of a sudden, we hear like a boom, boom, and the big guy hurdles the nurse's station, stands there, makes eye contact with me, turns and sees a little musician and runs at him to tackle him, and then he got tackled by the guards. So that's my funny, my funny upward story. I just like any time I get the chance to tell that story, I find it so hilarious So like... It's not often I get to tell. It's not often I'm talking to someone about <laughs> being in Epworth Manic, um, being Manic in Epworth's mental hospital. So, um, so anyway, fast forward to like getting out of the mental hospital. I had to go back to JJC for two days, and then 
going back to school was absolutely terrible. And not to mention, like, I was still not fully in my right mind. And just to give, like, some examples of this, when I would be at school, like, I would hear music playing over the, like, classroom thing. And, like, um, I knew that there wasn't music playing. Just, like, weird stuff like that. Like, I wasn't fully, like, I don't know, completely back to, like, normal, but no one would have known that. And frankly, no one would have known that I was super depressed. Um, like I never processed that period of my life until probably like when I started going to therapy three years ago, I just suppressed everything with, you know, making myself seem as happy as possible. And by seem, I mean like social media, like I was on Instagram, even back then, um, Facebook, stuff like that. Twitter, um, and alcohol is what I did. So, and the reason why I know people didn't think I was depressed, um, I had a doctor's appointment, I think a month after, and he asked like, you know, how's her mental state been since then? Like any more mania, any more depression? And my parents jumped in and they're like, no, she hasn't experienced mania or depression. And I was just sitting there like, oh my gosh, I'm depressed right now. (laughs) Like, uh, Um, And I really thought my life was over. Like, I didn't fully understand, like, you know, having a background as a minor. But technically now I had a background. Like, I had two drinking tickets and whatever. I don't remember the charges I got for showing up at um, his house. So, um, like, I literally got put on house arrest, guys. I was in JJC. (laughs) Like, oh. Um, So I literally thought, like, I'm not going to be able to go to college. I was actually planning on joining the National Guard um, prior to that and going out to school in North Carolina. That obviously wasn't happening. So I was just kind of in this place of, like, what the heck is going to happen to me? And there was actually this point, which is pretty crazy, that um, I just felt like I was getting all these signs that, like, I needed to – like college wasn't an option and like the military was the only thing that was going to take me. And then I started walking out of school and all of a sudden I realized, Oh my gosh, the military wouldn't even take you. And all of a sudden I just like started like weeping. I was like, Oh my gosh, like what am I going to do with my life? And I started texting that out to my mom. Like, Oh my, like mom, no college is going to take me. Like I'm not even going to be able to blah, blah, blah. And then a raindrop, it started raining and a raindrop hit the delete button and deleted the whole message. I was like, okay, like obviously everything's going to be fine. Um, and it was, um, for the most part. So I ended up getting into IU, um, and I went to school there and that was all great and fine and dandy, but I was still in like a really dark place. Like, so basically after my manic episode, I was like, who am I? Like, who am I? What role do I fit? Who am Who am I as a person? And now, if you were to ask me that question, I would say I am a daughter of the king. I am um, a child of God. You know, I have Christ with, living within me. Like, that is who I am now. When back then, like, I had no clue. Um, and so... I was like, well, what do people like? And people liked the Kelsey that was a partier. Um, that's at least what I thought they liked. Um, and I, I think I needed, I don't think I needed alcohol cause obviously it wasn't the good solution, right? It's not a good coping mechanism, but like 
I coped with drinking. Um, and then also sex. Um, yeah, like it's just really hard to explain. But like I felt no self-worth. Like I literally was like who I am, who, oh no, who I am, who am I, who would ever love me? Okay. Like I'm so broken. No one's ever going to love me and I needed to cope. And so like I coped with sex and alcohol and that carried on into college and got really, really, really bad at one point, um, that I was almost like building my life off of like my sexuality. Um, I started doing like, um, bordeaux shoots and actually getting like a lot of attention for them. Like I was on sports illustrated at one point. And the funny thing, right. Is like, I was having these accomplishments from my sexuality, but it felt so wrong. Like when I woke up in the morning and I saw that I had been featured on Sports Illustrated, you think that's exciting, right? You're like, oh my gosh, you were featured on Sports Illustrated. I was ashamed. And that's like this overwhelming feeling of how I felt back then was like, I was like ashamed, but then like, I was also like, so prideful. Like I was happy for those accomplishments, but I didn't like them. Like, it's really weird to explain. And obviously that was, you know, that, that wasn't supposed to be the path of my life, which I now understand. So yeah. And then I meet Sam. So (laughs) Sam is my now technically husband before God, but we're not married before the church yet. And I don't know if I'll ever like really not married before the church, married before the stand. I don't know if I'm ever going to fully talk about that, but we plan to have like a full on wedding and stuff. But I meet Sam my junior year. And, um, although he was in a dark place too, like we both found each other, like when we needed it. And, um, yeah, he really like changed my life. Like I'm so grateful for him. Um, yeah. So he grew up a Christian. Um, his mom basically like was really sick when she was in the hospital. And so like devoted him to like, I'm going to raise him to be a good man and I'm going to raise him to love the Lord. But Sam fell away from that. And I'm not going to go into too much of his story, but we really found each other at a time when we needed it. Um, our relationship was really terrible for the first like two years, year and a half. It's a year and a half for sure. And then it started to get better. And now, obviously, we're in a very beautiful place, but um, it's been five years. His mom was a Christian. So as I start hanging out with her more, um, you know, she talks to me about God and I would kind of share. And I always believed in God, even when I was younger, like I've always believed in him. So we would talk about it more. And then finally, at one service, like um, we weren't going to church regularly, but we went I think for Easter or something that might've been when I was saved. I don't really remember the exact date I was saved, but, um, yeah, you know, the Holy spirit just pulls on your heart and convicts you to throw up your hand that you need Jesus when you're supposed to need it. And like, yeah, for, for all of the, you know, terrible things that I have done. Like, I just cannot put into words how grateful I am for, you know, the grace and the savior from Jesus, the savior of Jesus. So 
threw my hands up, you know, I want Jesus. And mine wasn't like an immediate 180, you know, my, some people tell their testimony. um, And it's like immediately all the sinful nature is gone. Mine wasn't really like that. And I know a lot of people have that experience. So I just want to say that like, if you're in that boat with me where things take time and God needs to build you up first, that that is okay. So I moved back home to do my dietetic internship, like, and I just gotten saved. Um, but I don't even know if I fully knew that I had gotten saved, but I started going to a church in my hometown and every single weekend I would go, I would just weep and weep and weep. And there was just like, from that time when I was a junior, there was just like so much baggage and shame like collected there that like God really had to break down that barrier for me and like show me that like it's okay to be loved. And I think that was probably a big problem with me and Sam. Like I didn't know. And even for a long time, like I didn't know how to accept love and just because I was so broken, like it's so sad to think about now, but now that I'm better, right? Now that I'm I'm like, yeah, come love me. Come give me kisses, right? (laughs) Um, so yeah, I would just weep and weep and weep. And then eventually it's so beautiful, but God has taken this whole tragic time of my life and really used it to break the barrier between me and other people. So that's why I'm sharing this testimony. <sighs> I can tell you that like from there's, let me find the scripture about God collecting your tears. Oh, you, that's so sweet. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. That's Psalm 56, eight. I'm going to repeat it again just because it's so beautiful. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. I think that's the New Living Translation. I bet the King James is better. That's usually what I read. But anyway, God has taken these really dark, twisty times in my life. And for his glory, right, he has used this story to help other people. Um, I don't know where you're at in your walk, Um I just pray that, you know, you find the truth and you find that love that can only be given from God. Because I'm telling you, like, just to know who you are is such a beautiful thing. And I feel like so many people are confused. They have no idea who they are and what defines them. And to just have that answer and also to, like, not question where you're going in life. I just can't put words into like how, how much peace being with God gives. So if you need that peace, um, just throw up your hands and ask for it. And that's my testimony. So I really didn't talk about like where I'm at now. (laughs) My life, like night and day difference. Um, I feel like I, there's still a lot of baggage that like comes up and I'm like, 
like, oh, I got triggered type thing, right? I feel like that happens with everybody. But for the most part, like I mentioned, I've been off my medication for like five to six years now. Um, I've had like some anxiety and depression here and there, but those were actually like symptoms of bigger health problems going on. Like when I was really depressed, I was like severely B12 deficient. Um, and I was really anxious. I was magnesium deficient. I was also like not managing my stress well. And so that will cause a lot of anxiety. Um, I am a devout Christian as best as I can be, or I, I try to be better every day. And, you know, um, I have two dogs that are beautiful. Um, I have a nice yard. I like to homestead and I really just feel so much purpose in my life and calling and just like I mentioned earlier when I, I had a moment where I was upset. I don't even remember what I what I was upset about. You guys remember because I recorded it. But then I thought about my testimony and I like threw my hands up and I was like, God is literally the beauty in my story. Like I felt so dark until God entered in. And like since then, yeah, there have been dark times, but really all the light in my life comes from God. <sighs> so I pray that over you and um yeah, if you want to connect with me, my podcast Instagram is Faith Over Food Podcast, and my you know more wellness um, one is the Homestead Dietitian. And there are periods in between. So I'm Kelsey Hojera. Thank you for spending this time with me. Please subscribe um, if you enjoyed this episode. There will be more similar to this, and also not similar to this, just more about holistic care. So you have a great rest of your day.